This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm joined today once again uh, by the senior scientist on CBF's staff, Dr. Beth McGee, whose title is Director of Science and Agricultural Policy. Welcome, Beth. Thanks, Thanks Will. Today we're here to talk about something very timely. Uh, it's known uh, in the in the jargon as the midpoint assessment of the Chesapeake Bay program, which is a partnership of six states, the District of Columbia, and a number of federal agencies, all working together to try to reduce pollution, three main constituents, nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment, to levels that science says the bay can, can sustainably uh, take uh, by 2025. So that was a lot. Bottom line, science says the bay needs to reduce pollution by certain amounts by 2025. All the states and federal agencies have band together to achieve that. They've been working on it since 2010, and they wisely put in a midpoint assessment to see how they're doing. And that's where we are at the end of 2017 on the way to the 2025 goal. So in, its, in the broadest sense, Beth, um, I want to ask you how we're doing, and then we'll dive into some particulars. You've been leading our team to assess the data that's available as to the results of the first uh, number of years of the program. Sure. So first I want to indicate that the goal for this, that the state set for themselves by 2017 is they actually wanted to be 60% of the way there. So they, they set an aggressive goal, you know, typically would be 50% of the way there, but they wanted to do more or they wanted to commit to do more in 2010. So with that in mind, the 60% by 2017 goal, um, the, the good news is as we, it looks like we've achieved for the goal for phosphorus and sediment. When you look at practices that the states have implemented, we should achieve our goals for those two pollutants, but we're really far behind um, from the watershed perspective on reducing pollution, nitrogen pollution. So you're, 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 it's a good point, 60% as opposed to 50% by the halfway point, probably realizing, as we all did, that the second half is going to be much more difficult because you tend to do the easy stuff first. That's right. And in this case, the easy stuff is a relative term, of course, but it's really putting money into upgrading sewage treatment plants. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the impact of sewage treatment plant upgrades and how that relates to the overall Right, goal. and that's exactly right. This Most of the states, except for one, that would be New York, um, surpassed their goals for reducing pollution, pollution from wastewater. And that was because they were investing in upgrading their plants, they're reducing nitrogen and phosphorus from those plants. And so they're ahead of the game. And that is sort of, in a lot of ways, carrying, carrying us for now, where we appear to be doing very well because we're overachieving our wastewater goals pretty much across the watershed, except for New York. And the other primary sectors are in addition to wastewater. Right. So we have agriculture, um, pollution from urban and suburban areas, a little bit from septic systems, and then a little bit from the air. And the and when you look at across what the states are doing really well on wastewater, almost across the board, um, not doing as well on agriculture and urban and suburban polluted runoff, in some cases going in the wrong direction, meaning loads are actually have increased uh, since, since 2009 as opposed to going down. The, the urban and suburban runoff is the one sector that continues to get worse mm -hmm. uh, while the others are improving, some improving more than others. Right. Uh, let's talk geography. Uh, Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania are 
the three primary Bay States of the six. 85% mm -hmm. of the watershed is in Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. So let's talk about those three states. You talk, you say Maryland and Virginia are doing better than Pennsylvania. Give us a little bit more um, detail on Pennsylvania. They are. So Pennsylvania has a lot of agricultural land. Their main pollution source is agriculture. Um, and they are way behind on nitrogen. I think when you look at their pollution reduction attainment relative to the goals they set, I think they're only a few percent of the way there. So they're really far behind. And as you noted, they're the biggest land mass. It's a huge contribution coming down the Susquehanna River. Agriculture so, being the primary land use in Pennsylvania. Right, right. So the wastewater for them, even though they've made progress, it's a kind of a small part of their pollution pie. Um, if you look at Maryland and Virginia, for the most part, they're um, they're more or less on track. Uh, nitrogen in Maryland, they were they were not on track, but according to the Maryland Department of the Environment, if we include the reductions they expect from the upgrade to Back River, which is the largest wastewater plant in Maryland, uh, they would have achieved their 2017 goals. Let, let's stick with Pennsylvania for a second. Um, one of the big challenges in Pennsylvania has been um, what I think most people would say is somewhat of a dysfunctional relationship between the governor and the General Assembly. Getting a budget through the General Assembly with the governor's uh, objectives and the, and the uh, General Assembly objectives has been, has been difficult. Mm -hmm. So state money has been tough in Pennsylvania. But there are, other, there, there are a number of federal sources of funding mm -hmm. for pollution reduction available to the states. Could you, could you review a little bit of those? And clearly one that's very important is the federal farm bill, which is coming up right now for reauthorization. Right, right. So the challenge is many, many farms in Pennsylvania, and as you indicate, a, a lack of state official state cost share program to pay frag practices. In Maryland and Virginia, for example, they had pretty robust state funding for um, conservation practices. Pennsylvania doesn't have that. So they have to rely on grants. They have to rely on the federal government. And as you note, the federal farm bill is a, is a big hitter up in Pennsylvania. We've worked very hard to direct more resources into Pennsylvania to help Pennsylvania farmers do what they need to do to comply with the blueprint. Um, the other thing I'll say about Pennsylvania is that they have some fairly aggressive state regulations that apply to agriculture, they're just not largely enforced. And so a big part of Pennsylvania's program is to try to reach out to all those 33,000-something farmers, let them know what they need to do, and, and ultimately, we hope, get them into compliance with state regulations, which would have a big pollution reduction benefit. So, so, so many things going through my head. And one that's worth pointing out right away is that when we talk about pollution reduction in Pennsylvania, and we're the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, it sounds like the only benefit is for the Chesapeake Bay downstream. But Pennsylvania has 19,000 miles of impaired streams. Reducing pollution in Pennsylvania is very good for local water quality. Absolutely. So, uh, yep. so that, that's important for our listeners to understand that. Federal money coming into the Bay States uh, comes from the Federal Farm Bill, which we've talked about, which is available for farmers nationwide and conservation practices, going back to the old times of the Dust Bowl, right. keeping yep. soil on the land, uh, is, is a part of agricultural policy in this country. The other source of federal money comes from the simply the Chesapeake Bay Program, right. which is a line item in the federal budget. $73 million has historically been the number going to EPA, and then much of that is distributed to the states in grants. 
And that that's the funding that has been cut to zero by the Trump administration and restored. Right. So that's an important source. It is, and that funds not only grants that go to could go to farmers, could go to local government entities, but also helps the state pay for the oversight and things that they're doing to implement their cleanup plan. Uh, the other important farm bill program to note is the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, which funds most of our forested buffers in the Bay Watershed. And Senator Casey in Pennsylvania just introduced legislation that would make that uh, program, we believe, more effective um, and have more funding. And we hope we'll jumpstart the forest buffer initiative along with our own 10 million tree campaign in Pennsylvania. I want to come to the okay. 10 million trees in a second. Yes. Uh, so Senator Casey has introduced legislation that we hope will be incorporated into mm -hmm. the overall farm bill. Yep. Senator Van Hollen of Maryland has done the same thing on a different aspect of the farm bill yes. that would also benefit the Bay States. A lot of congressional support for those, but one thing our readers can do, listeners can do rather, is be sure to let their elected officials know in whatever state they are to support conservation practices, conservation titles of the Farm Bill that would benefit Chesapeake Bay states. Absolutely. And and that's that's enough for them to know, to let their elected officials know. I think know. for now, yes. I mean, the Farm Bill is... I mean, it's tied up in a lot of politics. I don't know that it, it's, it expires at the end of this year. I don't think that we believe it's actually going to be reauthorized, um, but who knows. But we'll certainly, if they're on our action alert, we will let folks know when they can really engage. But in the meantime, they certainly can just let their elected officials know that please make sure that the Farm Bill contains conservation funding. Yep. Good, yes. And it, it is reauthorized every five years, but mm -hmm. sometimes that goes six, even seven years, yep. and the old Farm Bill stays in place until a new one is reauthorized. Uh, you had mentioned CBF's 10 million tree program in Pennsylvania, and I think it, it is worth putting in a plug for what we've done in Pennsylvania for many years. We've not only helped Pennsylvania farmers ac access federal monies, but we've brought private monies, much of it from a foundation called the Richard King Mellon Foundation in Pittsburgh, so private money to Pennsylvania mm -hmm. farmers to put in best management practices. And, and we've now set the goal you mentioned of 10 million new trees, which are one of the best ways to keep soil and chemicals on farmland by buffering the streams. Uh, CBF and a number of volunteers are working on that. And would you say from a scientific perspective that that's a critical strategy? It is. I mean, all the states are relying really heavily on forced buffer implementation to achieve their water quality goals. And Pennsylvania certainly is, is no exception. And there's other benefits to having trees by streams. It shades the streams also. Um, trees sequester carbon, so it's helping mitigate greenhouse gases. And so there, there are many benefits of having trees, you know, one of which is, from our perspective, water quality. Yeah. Local water quality yeah. benefits, uh, air quality, addressing uh, climate change through carbon sequestration, multiple mm -hmm. benefits. You know, one of the things that occurs to all of us when you look at federal uh, or limited federal and state monies and private monies for that matter is how spread these funds should be. Uh, is there scientific um, is there a scientific basis for targeting mm -hmm. the geographic locations of where these monies should be spent to have greater impact? rather than just whomever applies for it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. In fact, a couple of years ago, we put out a report where we, we looked hard at where the pollution from Pennsylvania was coming from on a county scale and even a 12-unit 
a hydrologic unicode, so a watershed scale, and identified five counties in Pennsylvania that if they, if we fully implemented the cleanup plans in those five counties, we would get more than half of the pollution reductions from agriculture needed by Pennsylvania. So that is at sort of at the broad scale. Um, but even honing down further, there are tools now um, that are, are allowing one to say, well, where should I put a buffer to have the most bang for the buck once you scale down from the county to a watershed, you know, even on a farm. And even so, on a farm. Even on, So those are the things we really need. We're never going to have all the money in the world, so if we use our dollars very effectively, that could be um, really help us achieve our goals faster. And in fact, to kudos to Pennsylvania, they are embracing this targeting approach and the way they're going about developing their next phase of the cleanup plans is to target resources to those counties that are the highest polluting. And I think I think it's not coincidence that those are the five that we identified a couple years ago. The five lower counties yeah. on the, near the uh, bottom of the Susquehanna watershed. So science, technology, um, remote sensing, all of, all of the tools available can help make that money be spent more effectively That's and right. efficiently. Yeah. I want to come back to air pollution for a second. The Federal Clean Air Act uh, has been um, successful in many respects of reducing air pollution. And those uh, study the Chesapeake Bay and sources of pollution, as you mentioned, have found that a great deal, not a great, not a majority, but a certain percentage of the nitrogen coming into the bay is actually airborne, mm -hmm. and perhaps airborne, and, and, and airborne from as far away as Midwest power plants. Give us the how that works and make right. sure our listeners so understand So it actually that. is a significant. I mean, the estimates are that about one-third of the nitrogen pollution coming to the bay is coming from the air. One-third of the right. nitrogen pollution entering the bay watershed is airborne. Is airborne. Initially initially airborne. Initially so that's, airborne. as you mentioned, coal-fired power plants from as far away as Ohio. That includes cars because when you combust fossil fuel and drive your car, you're adding a little bit of NOx. Uh, and the other nitrogen, sort, oxide. nitrogen oxides, and the other is ammonia from agriculture. So manure, chickens, etc., will pr produce ammonia, which is a form of nitrogen, which also can go to the bay. Uh, in terms of, uh, so we, the states are relying on the implementation of several Clean Air Act regulations that EPA promulgated, including ones that affect cars and trucks and coal-fired power plants, and many of those, if not all of those, are, are currently in the process of being rolled back. So there's something that's working to reduce air pollution and water pollution and save Chesapeake Bay. And did I hear they're being rolled back? Okay. <laughs> that's a retort. Yeah. <laughs> we know what's going right. on in right. the Trump administration. These are the, 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 the regulations that are being slated to, to, to be eliminated, rolled back if not eliminated. Right. And that, you know, we're worried about looking forward because we're counting on the projections, the, uh, the re future reductions we would expect to get as fleet cars turn over and become more, you know, less polluting in the future, we're and we're counting on those reductions to achieve our goals. And coal, if these, gets, coal gets phased out. Coal as gets a, phased. And if, if the, we don't get these regulations um, implemented, if they're rolled back, then we're going to lose those reductions we were counting on. What happens, of course, is the pollutants go into the air, and either with rainfall or by deposition, they come down and either go directly into a water course or they fall on land mm -hmm. and then are washed off. Right. And, and in some respects, uh, the, 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 the large land mass in Pennsylvania that is agricultural-based is getting pollutants or, or nitrogen from airborne sources coming onto the land and then running off. So some of that is, 
is really airborne at its source it rather is. than agricultural at its source. True, but some of the, the plants are also taking up, a, up and, that nitrogen. Right. So it's a, a much different, if you look at imper paved surfaces and the amount that from that is coming from the air is much higher than the amount from ag we, we estimate. But you're right, a little bit of yeah. the nitrogen coming off of land in Pennsylvania is no doubt originally from the air. But but good point. Uh, falling onto an impervious surface like a road or a parking lot or rooftop, one could say is probably close to one-to-one. -one. Right. Whereas falling onto an agricultural uh, field, uh, there's going to be some uptake by the crops. Yeah. Oh, good. Assuming that the agronomic practices for that, the application of fertilizer to that soil take into account right. What's that they're already getting in there. some agriculture, right. some yeah. airborne nitrogen. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk to you, and then, then we'll sort of sum this all up. Uh, Marilyn did make a, a big point about the fact that if upgrades to the Back River sewage treatment plant in Baltimore are taken into account, they would have met their nitrogen reduction targets. Right. Correct? Right. Yeah. And the Back River Sewage Treatment Upgrade Project is a multi-year project. I think part of it is complete. I think the nutrient reduction part is complete, but they also have issues with pipes. And uh, so that, to my, is my understanding, is still going on, fixing sort of the infrastructure and the pipes, feeding it and addressing a lot of those issues in Baltimore, I think, is still underway. But it, my understanding, the, the nutrient upgrade part has been completed, but it was a multi-year process. Okay, so yeah. what, what it is, is if the sewage flowing into that plant gets into the plant, right. uh, advanced uh, nutrient reduction technology does improve it. Right. Trouble is, in Baltimore, is a lot of it is overflowing and getting uh, diverted directly right. into the harbor until the hydro... Hyd Hydro hydrology of that plant's network of feeder right. pipes gets fixed. So there's some improvement and some yet to come. That's right. While the uh, the, the big work of, of re-plumbing Baltimore City's sewage uh, uh, delivery uh, pipes is is undertaken. So let's 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 give, come back to the headline. Uh, is it too simplistic to say we're making real progress, but we have a long way left to go? targeting uh, as much uh, as, as basically as targeting in Pennsylvania, but all the way down to individual fields is critical. Mm -hmm. What as you look in your crystal ball, what are you what are you thinking about? What worries you and what gives you hope? Well, I'll tell you what gives me hope first, which is the fact that the bay is responding, right? I mean, we're seeing decreases in the dead zone, the, the volume of the bay that doesn't have oxygen. We're seeing uh, we're seeing that volume decline over time. Underwater grasses the last couple of years have hit record numbers. We're seeing living resources respond. So that is giving us a lot of hope that what we're doing is working. Even though we're behind, what we've done to date is actually making a difference. And so that's what gives me optimism. That's, I'm going to interrupt you, and that's an important point to emphasize because up until recently, there was no there was a belief that reducing nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment would actually bring about results in the Bay. But there had never been real proof that that was the case until the last three or four years. And that, that's, a, that's a really important point. So it's not just CBF that's noticing these changes. It's scientists from Virginia up to Pennsylvania across the watershed who are looking at the results that we're seeing and attributing them to our man-made actions, not just um, a fluke of a nice, a good year or a suite of couple of good years. Um, the other thing I will say that is... That gives us confidence that, that the money that's being spent is being spent in the right way 
Right. We we're just got to keep at it. We're seeing results of our of our efforts, um, and there's even been a couple you know published papers that have come out recently that kind of highlight that. And the hope, Smithsonian for one. Right, yeah. and and other multiple authors, and another one, at least another couple that we're expecting to come out. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that you know scientists believe that there's these tipping points in ecological systems, and that is that the response, that the degradation of a system does not happen linearly. In fact, you'll hit a point where it's a tipping point, and all of a sudden it will get a lot worse very quickly. Well, the, the response in the positive direction could be similar in that you it's not a linear response to our pollution reduction efforts. It's actually one that once we hit a certain tipping point, we're actually going to see more improvements than we, we might expect. And I, I think love that optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people think that's what's going on here. Uh, yep. So. And your worries. And my worries... Pennsylvania is the is the worry, and they are really far behind. But I think with with more resources, with targeting, really efficient targeting of those resources to really um, invest them wisely and cost effectively, and in places where they're going to get the biggest bang for the buck initially, um, you know, they we have hope. I couldn't agree more. And of course, we had the the worry that the rug gets pulled out from under us, that the Bay Program gets defunded that uh, regulations for clean air and water across the country uh, are rolled back and that you know, we, we have a, a steeper hill to climb than even you know, was thought at, in the beginning. Well, Beth uh, McGee, uh, Dr. Beth McGee, our senior scientist, thank you very much. This has been um, educational and fascinating, optimistic, <laughs> and um, some things to worry about. Yep. Um, so the bottom line message, is we've got to keep going. We've got to be doing, keep doing what has shown results. And as I always say, we have to avoid the Lake Erie syndrome, which is to declare victory too early, mm-hmm. which was happening with, with Lake Erie, which was thought to be such a success. And now we see that Lake Erie's water quality is worse than ever. Yep. So thank you. Thank you. This is Will Baker for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Be sure to Review our website at cbf.org to see how you can help. Thank you.